Welcome to Housebroken, stories of renovation, romance, and regret. Episode three, the closing. I think maybe the fact that it was scheduled on a Friday the 13th had something to do with how it went so wrong so quickly. Our plan for the day was to sign our lives away, take on crushing debt, shake a few hands, get the key, then have a lunch strategy session to discuss how we were going to tackle those 13 pages of code violations. Should we deal with the crumbling front steps first or the asbestos-covered wiring? The foundation, the roof, the loose bricks in the chimney? Would it be better to check off any one of the myriad of small things, like installing the railing on the attic stairs, replacing the baseboards in the back hallway, remove slash dispose debris from alley, repair or replace the storm windows, install smoke detectors, repair the broken windows in the attic, paint and seal the exposed exterior wood surfaces, and provide adequate ventilation for the cobwebbed, centipeded, radon-emitting basement toilet that would never see my backside unless the rest of the house had been ripped from its foundation by an F5 tornado and it was the only place within a five-mile radius left to poop. But maybe not even then. This was one of those times when I thought we had to look like we were grown-ups. So I suggested to Mark that we kind of wear our work clothes. I wore pumps and a pencil skirt and a white shirt. And he wore his ripped blue jeans and the only T-shirt he could find without the logo of a band on it. I guess I should have been a little bit more specific. I should have told him to wear something that he would wear if he worked in an office. He worked in the behind the scenes, not that glamorous world of show business, loading and unloading road cases. We met Richard in the marble and glass lobby of a very important looking 10-story building. He, he looked nervous, unsettled, like he had just pulled a big heist and was trying to look nonchalant but couldn't because inside his briefcase was the money. Um, there seems to be a teensy-weensy problem. He opened the door to this conference room that was taken up mostly by conference table. There was a man and a woman sitting there. They kind of looked like, maybe like, like they were marionettes, but their strings had been cut. Richard gestured for Mark and I to take a seat in one of the leather upholstered faux Georgian wingback chairs. The air in the room reeked of, let's get this over with, resignation. Richard did the introductions. Kevin, Mark, Mark, Kevin. Who is this guy? Kevin. Oh, God, don't tell me. He's the one who put the indoor-outdoor carpeting on the bathroom walls. Would it surprise me? Hmm, not, no, not really. Kevin wore a red satin bar jacket with tip-top tap stitched over his heart. His hair needed a shampoo, his beard a rake and a mowing. The woman in the velour tracksuit was Tina. We shook hands. Just keep smiling, 
Just pretend you didn't touch that damp, wadded-up tissue. And then the suits entered. They enlightened us about the teensy-weensy problem. I guess there was some sort of miscalculation, and in order to settle the outstanding mortgage and whatever else Kevin and Tina owed the bank, the suits needed more money. More money? Like, how much more money? Oh, just an additional $4,000. Oh, and where are we supposed to come up with that? The sofa cushions? Richard called Mark and I over for a sidebar. He says, well, you know, you guys can totally walk away from this deal. You're within your rights. Yeah, we could walk away. And then, like, where are we supposed to go? I'm not living in my parents' basement. No way. Richard lowered his voice and spoke to us from behind the screen of a legal pad. He's like, um, okay, look, uh... They're going through this divorce, and he lost his job, and that's the amount they need to pay off the bank. Otherwise, they're going to have to file bankruptcy, and the house will be foreclosed. And if the bank takes it over, they're going to side it with aluminum, take out what's left of the interior details, flip it, and it'll end up becoming a rental property. Hmm. They're going through a divorce, huh? I wonder, how did that happen? I mean, was their marriage a sham from the beginning, or... Had it developed a slow leak? Was there another woman? Had Kevin met someone at the tip-top tab? I knew Mark loved the house, but I I didn't think he loved it $4,000 more. I mean, in my brief tenure of being married to him, I discovered that he is the type of person that will bend down and pick up change from the sidewalk. He is a clipper of coupons. I just, okay, grocery shopping for him is a sport. For me, I'm just grabbing stuff off the shelf based on their labels. I am a sucker for packaging. He is a sucker for a good deal. Mark looked at Richard. He's like, well, we don't have it. Richard looked around and he says to me and Mark, he's like, well, let me see what I can do. And he left. We were alone. A sobbing Tina, a brave-faced Kevin, Mark, me, in this huge conference room that seemed to have shrunk to elevator size. The mood was awkward, like someone had just farted, and we had 75 more floors to climb. And Kevin says, uh, so, (laughs) Friday the 13th, what are you gonna do? Yeah. It was Friday the 13th. There was a teensy-weensy problem. Things are beginning to stack up. Was the universe trying to tell us something? Was it saying, like, get out, run away while you still can because the house will kill you? Was the same fate in store for us? Would we end up getting a divorce? Would the house become the other woman? Kevin broke my spiraling train of thought. Yeah, I, uh, I left a couple of them boxes of that rock in the basement so you could finish the wall by the wood-burning stove. Mark thanked him with a very convincing amount of enthusiasm. Oh, no. No. We're not 
keeping that, are we? Well, Tina just sat in the other chair and went, (gasps) her chin quivering. She blew her nose into a tissue. It had been two hours since Richard had left to negotiate with the suits. Certainly, they would have come up with a deal by now. It's a good thing I took off of work. I was going to just, you know, I thought, oh, I could just go on my lunch hour. My friends who had bought houses said the whole closing took them like, what, 45 minutes? Oh, I should have eaten something for breakfast. I'm starving. Don't they have any bagels? There were bursts of informative conversation about how Kevin had planned on putting a pool table in the dining room, and then Tina admitted to picking out the piss-colored yellow wallpaper that was in the dining room, and the kind of turd-colored brown kitchen cabinets. She blew her nose into a tissue. Do you have any plans for the house? She said. Do I have plans? Oh, I have plans. Plans that involve ripping out everything that Tina and Kevin put in the house, taking her right down to the studs. I mean, that's what Bob Vila would do. Yeah, but I can't tell her that because I don't want to hurt her feelings. Oh, I guess we'll just have to live in it for a while and and then we'll see, I said. Kevin said they bought the house because they had seen its potential. He had fashioned himself a budding do-it-yourselfer and thought he could tackle all that needed to be done. But something had thwarted his plans. What did he mean, thwarted? Was the, was the house the reason that they had to get a divorce? Had it become too demanding? Was it too needy? You know, this Friday the 13th business, maybe that's a sign. Like, what if the house, what if this is an omen? What if the house is cursed? What if it holds a grudge? Would I blame her? No. If someone had insulted my walls with indoor-outdoor carpeting, yeah, I'd be a little pissed off, too. It was 2.30 by the time Richard came back into the room. He had a smile on his face. He had some good news. He said everybody was in agreement. He had done the unthinkable. He had foregone his commission. Kevin breathed a sigh of relief. Tina bowed her head, and we commenced the signing of our names there, 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 and there to what seemed like an endless stack of papers. With the last paper signed, Kevin didn't even wait to say goodbye. He just got up and left. Richard, Mark, and the suits huddled in a corner. They were all smiles and congratulating each other, like athletes after a very close win. Tina did mascara mop-up with another tissue. I don't know what to say to her. Do I congratulate her? Like, whoo, I bet you're glad that's over. Oh, I don't know. I can't do that. Uh, thank her, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Give her a hug? No. No, I can't. I'm not, I'm not a hugging type of a person. There was only one thing left to do. Tina reached into her purse and pulled out the jingly jangly key ring, sniffling as she tried to separate the house key from the car key from who knows what else kind of a key from 
some sort of a talisman that she had dangling from a chain. A good luck charm? Yeah, that worked. She straightened up, took a big gulp of air. I, I hope you have better luck than we did. And then she handed me the key. If you like the podcast, please subscribe to it. You can do that through iTunes. Uh, I think you just go to iTunes and click subscribe to podcast and enter housebroken. Or you can go to my website, www.melcmiskimen.com.